This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hello, I'm Latoya Edwards. Welcome to Passenger Seat Womanhood. I pray that this show is an encouragement for you to learn to let God take the lead in your life, to surrender everything to Him so that you can embrace the joy and peace that is only found when we let go of the need to be in control and to be perfect and we learn to just follow God. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 4 of Passenger Seat Womanhood. Today, um, my topic is going to be learning to let God lead and to follow His plan for your life when it is hard and when it hurts. Now, I just wanted to talk about this a little bit today because personally for me, you know, I'm one of those people where, you know, when things are going great, and everything is good, and you know things are just going on smooth. It's easy for me to obey, um, you know, because I, I feel like I don't have anything else to worry about. You know, of course I can obey. That's easy. Um, but what I have learned, you know, through different trials and and just through living, is that often, you know, God will call us to you know a great amount of obedience during those hard times, during those hard moments and trials in our lives. And, um, you know, those times can be very hard, you know, physically, it can be hard emotionally, it can be hard spiritually, you know, sometimes it's really, really painful, um, you know, and sometimes we just don't, you know, kind of see the point and we don't understand and we're already going through so much and then God, you know, will ask us to do something. And, you know, I remember I would be like, really, God, like, do you see how my world is crumbling to pieces all around me? And you want me to obey you in this, this big thing? Like, are you paying attention? And, you know, that's usually my attitude, which is silly, of course, because yes, he knows exactly what's going on in my life. You know, he is our father. He sees and he knows everything, you know, that I am going to go through even before it happens. And so the challenge becomes remembering that God is sovereign and that he loves us and accepting that whatever he is asking us to do, no matter how hard it is, that it is for our own good that we're going to be blessed in some way in the end if we can just muster up the courage to say yes, to obey, to not fight against, you know, what God wants us to do. And so, um, you know, I just wanted to talk a little bit about what I call um, the empty chair. Um, You know, I use this phrase, the empty chair, um, for just different pains and situations going that have gone on in my life where I have literally had to deal with an empty chair or an empty place, you know, in my life and that it has been really, really hard. Um, Now, um, when I first got married, um, you know, things were nice for a while and for a couple of months and then, you know, we kind of hit some bumps and some snags. And I have to tell you that for the majority of my marriage, um, I was looking at an empty chair, as in my husband was not home. He was not there with me. He was gone. In the beginning, um, you know, of our marriage, um, when things got rough, he was gone because I left. 
Um, you know, we had hit a really rough situation and, and I had moved far away from home and, and quit my job and I had no friends and no family close by. And we were expecting our first, you know, our first son. And I was like, listen, this is nuts. I'm going home. And so I went, you know, we packed up and we left and he went to his parents' house and I went to my parents' house. And so in that instance, you know, that was an empty chair that I was largely, you know, responsible for creating. But it was still a hard time, um, you know, in my life to go through being newly married and pregnant with first child. And I have to tell you that I was incredibly sick. I remember knocking on the door um, when I finally got home. And I think I was about four months pregnant. And um, my dad opened the door and looked at me and was just like, you look like death. Like I was so sick. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. Um, you know, I wasn't sleeping and I was just really, really sick and miserable. And I, if I remember correctly, I think I had strep throat. Um, like the day before we packed up to head home, I found out that I had strep throat and, um, my throat was so infected that I couldn't even take my medicine. So I was miserable from being sick. I was miserable from being pregnant. And then I had been in a car for 14 hours. So I was even more miserable and I just was ready to go to bed. And I have to tell you that that was, you know, the beginning of, of the, the trials and things in my marriage. And it was hard because I did not want to hear from God in that situation. There were, a few select people um, that God had placed in my path and in my life that were speaking truth and were speaking words of encouragement with to me in that situation. And they were, you know, I knew that they were hearing from God and that what they were saying was true, but they were asking me to do things that I just wasn't willing and didn't feel that I was capable of, of doing. And so for a long time, I rejected that and I ignored that. Um, I think I did that for about a year and a half. I said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to hear that. I don't care if God told you that he did. In fact, I'm sure that he did, but I don't want to hear that because, you know, I wanted to be in control and I felt like, you know, I, I had things under control. I was kind of content in my misery, in my misery and the way that things were going. Well, little bit by little bit, I started to realize that, I was wrong and that even if things blew up in my face, I needed to take that step of obedience to do what God was clearly calling me to do. And so my husband and I reconciled and, you know, we got our own place and I started law school and things were going really, really great. And then I found out that we were going to have another baby. Um, and it was, you know, we weren't trying. It wasn't in the plans. I was in my first year of law school and then I was, that was going to be my focus. And then all of a sudden I'm pregnant again. And, you know, things became really, really difficult because I, um, I was worried and I was stressed because how was I going to do law school and take care of, you know, my oldest son and have a baby. And I was going to be due in the middle of a semester and, you know, all of these things that were not going according to the plan that I had laid out for myself. You know, I was like, Lord, you're, you're messing up with my perfect plan. You know, I, I was going to do this, 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 and this, and like, this is a monkey wrench. And that began the beginning of, I want to say 
three or four years of some really rough times in my life where I started to face a lot of empty chairs. My husband had a job where he was traveling a lot. So he could be home for five days and then be gone for a week and then be home for two days and then be gone for two weeks. Or he could be home for two weeks and then get a big job and be gone for a month. So in that aspect, you know, there were times when he wasn't there a lot because he was working. And when I became pregnant again, again, I was as sick as I was the first time. But on top of being sick, I also had class and I had a toddler to take to care for. And it was really exhausting. And I became overwhelmed. And I started to become bitter about that empty chair in my house where my husband wasn't. Even though he wasn't there because he was working, I would look around and say, I am trying to go to school. I am taking care of this house. I am taking care of, you know, my oldest son. And I am pregnant. And he is not here. Like, this is where he should be. How dare he not be here? And, you know, that little bit of seed of bitterness kind of began to fester and grow. And as I was kind of dealing with all of this responsibility and how to juggle all of these things, my husband started not being home more more and more. And I soon realized that it wasn't work-related. Um, you know, it used to be that he would, when he was in town, he would, you know, leave um, after he dropped our oldest off at daycare. And he would be home in time for dinner. So we would have dinner together. You know, we would play with our son. And, you know, he would give him a bath. And he would put him to bed. And that had been our routine. Well, what I started to notice was, was first he stopped coming home in time for dinner. And then he would come home right before it was time for, you know, our son to go to bed. And that progressed into coming home after our son had already gone to bed, which then grew into coming home after I had gone to bed. And that ended up becoming not coming home at all, um, sometimes for days, sometimes for weeks. And so that bitterness that I had about the job creating the empty chair soon turned to anger and resentment at the fact that the chair was now empty because he chose not to be there. Now, I still to this day don't have an answer as to why he kind of suddenly checked out of the family and of our marriage. I am 100% positive that, you know, some of my bitterness and, you know, my, my issues of adjusting, I'm sure contributed to, you know, some part of that big or small, I don't know. And we, in the beginning, tried to talk about things and talk through things. And for whatever reason, we were not able to kind of fix the problem ourselves. And so, tired of looking at the empty chair, I said, you know what, we need to go to counseling. And so we did. And the funny thing is that we had tried that the first time that we separated and it, it didn't work because he didn't want to participate in the process. Well, we went a second time and 
Well, no, we didn't go. I made several appointments, and for one reason or another, he was never able to keep the appointments. And so I ended up being there by myself. I would sit in the church office with our pastor, and I would look to my left at another empty chair. Because once again, my husband was not where I thought he should be. And so for a long time, I went to counseling myself. And I talked with our pastor and I said, "Um, you know, we're having problems and I don't know what the problems are, but I'm willing to admit that I'm part of the problem and I want to do what I can to fix myself. And so I started to work on myself and I started reading what the Bible had to say about a family and how it should be run and, and what a wife should do. And my husband continued to be an empty chair in those sessions. We never went to a session together. He never went to a session at all. He chose to ignore phone calls. He chose to ignore my requests and pleading and begging to go. And so we became kind of these two passing ships, you know, in our house. Um, You know, it, it wasn't a good environment. It was very hostile. And I was unhappy. I'm sure he was unhappy. It was just not a nice place to be. And it's in this place that God called me into obedience. I remember cooking dinner one day and, you know, it was just me and and my son and he was two and and not yet at the age of eating me out of house and home. And I thought, I'm not going to cook all this food. It's just me and, you know, and a two-year-old. We don't need all of this. And I remember that day hearing God's voice say to me, you need to be cooking dinner for your family. That includes your husband. And I thought, but he's never here. Why am I going to cook for somebody that never bothers to show up? But God was calling me into obedience. I didn't like it. I didn't want to hear it. But I knew, deep down I knew, that I needed to be obedient to what he was calling me to do. And so I did something that even now seems silly. Whenever I cooked a meal, I cooked for my family. I made sure that there was enough food for my husband to eat if he chose to be home for dinner. I did this for months and months and months. And I'm going to tell you, not once did he show up for a meal. There was always that empty chair at our table because he chose not to be there. But God had called me into obedience. He told me to cook for my husband, and so I did. And I remember as my pregnancy went on, um, you know, I towards the end of my pregnancy, we got some news that my father had stage 4 esophagus cancer. And that was really hard because a year before that, his mom had been diagnosed with lung cancer and we had all walked through that together. And so, you know, finding out that my father was essentially, you know, dying, stage four, you know, you usually don't come back from that. It was really hard for me. And so as we got rallied together as a family to kind of support each other and just to heal and bond, you know, through this process, you know, my brother, my mom, my dad and I, and my nephew, um, 
it was hard for me because I still had that empty chair. We would go to talk about things and I would go home and, you know, I didn't have anybody to go home to talk to. I had an empty chair because my husband wasn't there. But this is where obedience comes in and and where I started learning about the blessings that come from obedience. You know, on those days when my dad had been so sick and we had been at the hospital or I'd been at my parents' house helping to get things ready for him or helping my mom with something, and I would come home because I and be too exhausted to cook, those meals where I had obeyed God and I made sure that I cooked enough for my husband should he show up for dinner, that extra portion that was never eaten became leftovers for me to feed myself and my son. When otherwise, we would have, you know, I, I don't know what I would have done because I literally was worn down to the bone. And that's a really a more simplistic, you know, example of that. But it continued. So my second son is born and, you know, he was loud and screamed and cried for two weeks nonstop. And it was hard for me having a newborn and having a two-year-old because around two weeks after my youngest son was born, my oldest son got sick. And so it was one of those things where he had an ear infection. And then I took him in for the follow-up and the other ear now had an infection. And I took him in for that follow-up and he had um, bronchitis. And we go back for that follow-up and it had turned into pneumonia. It was one thing after another. And I started saying to God, I was like, God, I have a newborn. My son is sick all of the time. My father has stage four cancer. And I have not seen my husband in six weeks. Like, I I cannot take any more of this. Like, I'm, I'm at my limit. I had all of these things going on. And I had this empty chair that was driving me nuts. But God was still calling me to obey. He was still calling me to be a wife to the man that left the chair empty. And that was hard. I was angry. I was frustrated. And I was depressed. I remember, you know, putting my oldest son in the bathtub. And he would say, where's daddy? And I didn't have an answer. Um, You know, eventually it got to the point where um, he stopped asking. But it didn't stop my pain, and I'm sure it didn't stop, you know, his pain. You know, because that empty chair in my house was a constant reminder that something was broken in my home, that something was missing, that something was wrong. And I had a choice to make. I had to figure out what I was going to do with that empty chair. Was I going to ignore it and be in denial? Was I going to hide from it? Was I going to find somebody to put in the chair so it wouldn't be empty anymore? I mean, all of these choices that I had going on with all of these things going on in my life. I was overwhelmed with life. I was in crisis. I was in this fiery trial and storm. And God was saying to me, be a wife. He was calling to me, calling me to do this hard thing. And so I made the decision to face my empty chair one day. I literally sat down in front of the chair and I just let it all out. My hurt, my anger, my frustration, my disappointments. 
I just let it go. And I made the commitment to God that day. And I said, God, for as long as I am his wife, I will obey. I will be a wife to my husband, whether he is here or not. And I have to tell you that that was hard. It's hard to fulfill a role um, to somebody that you feel doesn't deserve it. It's hard to keep your mouth shut and to not say anything when people are constantly asking you where your husband is or when your husband is going around saying things to people um, and you want to scream from the rooftops, that's not true, it's not me, and God tells you to keep quiet. Because a wife does not talk bad about her husband. And I needed to obey that. It was really, really hard. And I wish I could say that I walked in perfect obedience the entire time that my marriage went on. I did not. I'm human. I made big, 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 big mistakes. But I think the thing that I really learned was even when I messed up, every day was a new chance to walk in obedience. Every day I could say, Lord, I messed up yesterday. I wasn't a wife to my husband. I spoke when I shouldn't have. Or I was rude and ugly to him when he came home. And yes, he'd been gone for two weeks, but my attitude wasn't right forgive me and I'm going to try better today and I did this for years it was really hard and very difficult and I found that even when our divorce was final on some level God was still calling me to a level of obedience because no matter what's going on he is the father to my children and I have to honor that position and it means that I still have to keep my mouth closed when I want to scream and yell because some injustice is going on. It means that I have to smile and be civil and cordial in situations with people that I don't get along with and that I don't want to be around. It's hard. Sometimes I go home and cry after it's all over. But I have to tell you that I have been blessed in more ways than I can say just by that simple act of obedience. And I think the biggest blessing that I have seen come from that is that my children are not disrespectful to their father. My children do not think negatively or poorly of their father because of something that I have said or something that they've seen or something that I've done. That's important. You never know who is watching you when you're going through your trial. And so the thing that I learned is that in the midst of those hard times, When we're facing those empty chairs, whether I was facing an empty chair because my husband chose not to be there, or I was facing an empty chair because after a year and a half battle with cancer, my father went home to be with Jesus. It didn't matter what those empty chairs were. What really mattered was me and what I did and what I said. What mattered was that I can see a woman whose husband has walked out on her and I can say to her, listen, keep being a good wife, keep forgiving, keep honoring 
you know, don't give up. Don't say those negative things if they're true or not. Keep a good attitude. Be respectful. I can encourage her in this because I know on the other side of that, there's blessings. And so I don't know the circumstances behind your empty chairs in your life or whatever your rough time is. And I don't know, you know, your pains or your brokenness. But can I just encourage you for just one moment to learn from my story, to face whatever it is, and to let it go. Give it to God. You know, get your frustrations out. Tell them to the Lord because that's what he is there for. He knows. He is not surprised that we are angry and that we are hurt. Let him know that. Give it all over to him and then leave it there with him. Okay? Can you do that? Because when you can do that and you can let that go, you then have a whole lot of energy that you were putting into that negative thing to channel to something more positive, to focus on your children, to focus on your friends and the other blessings in your lives. Or maybe it's to help somebody else that is, you know, beginning that same journey that you just walked through. You know, man may disappoint us. They'll hurt us. They'll, they'll leave empty chairs in our lives from time to time. But my final thought for you today is to remember that there is a chair that is never empty. The Bible tells us that God sits on the throne. He does not leave. He does not have to get up to come to where you are. He is always there on his throne, watching over us, waiting for us to come to him, waiting for us to say, God, I cannot do this. I need help. He's waiting for us to come and say, I will obey. I will do whatever it is that you want me to do. Because that is where we can be made whole and we can be healed through our obedience. It's where we can find our passion and our purpose, you know, is is in obedience to whatever God is calling us to do, even when it's hard. Because when somebody sees you going through something that is really, really hard, but they see that you continue to obey God and to follow that path and to be faithful You are a testimony and you can be a blessing in their lives. This is something that never occurred to me when I was in the trenches of divorce, sick father, new baby, sick toddler, law school, and all of these things that were going on. I I was so focused on myself that I wasn't thinking about the person to come behind me. I think that happens sometimes, and I think that sometimes that's why God calls us to do something really big and really difficult in our difficult situations, to pull us out of being focused on ourselves, to get us to focus on him so that we can be a blessing to other people. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'm Latoya Edwards, and you have been listening to Passenger Seat Womanhood. I would love to connect with you. Please visit me on my blog at latoyaedwards.net. And remember, slide over to the passenger seat and enjoy the blessings that flow when we follow God's plan instead of our own.